It's a jackalope carnival. Jack, jack, jackalope. Jackalope carnival. Hi, I'm Becca. And you're listening to Jackalope Carnival, a sideshow of stories, a bi-weekly podcast where we explore the paranormal, the unusual, and the downright odd. Eric, are you here? Eric, if you're here, knock twice. Eric? Oh. I, I guess he's here. I shouldn't have eaten that macaroni. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm just glad you're here. I, yeah, you're I was not, just not, in the great beyond. Baltimore? Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you ever heard of the Jersey Devil? Um, uh, Once or twice. And I don't mean the NHL team either. I mean the Jersey Devil. I mean, I don't know him personally, if that's the what you're asking. The terror of the Pine Barrens. I mean, I hear he's no Mothman, but... <laughs> he's got a pedigree much older than the Mothmans. Actually, I would give him the Jersey Devil, that is. I would give him the title of maybe, like, the USA's official cryptid. And I say that because the legend of the... Jersey Devil began in English colonial times, and it has grown along with the United States. If you think about Bigfoot, right, stories about hairy ape men in the wild can be found all over the world. So in some ways, I get the feeling that like Bigfoot is like North America's cryptid. But I feel like... Oh, uh-huh. we're quantifying cryptids here. Quantifying cryptids is your band name for this week. So <laughs> if you're keeping track of all the band names that we suggest on the show, this week is quantifying cryptids. And Becca, you were talking to me before. You said that some of our listeners uh, wanted to know what a cryptid is. Right. So the word cryptozoology, and I, honestly, I'm going to be quite honest. I'm putting it out here for my mom because she keeps walking around cryptozoology. So I'm going to break down the etymology for those who may be unfamiliar with it. Crypto comes from the Greek kreptos or meaning hidden. Zoo or zoo from the Greek again, zoios meaning animal. And ology is tacked on to the end of English words to mean study of something. So it's the study of the hidden or unknown animals. Those animals are called cryptids. So for short, people generally will just say it's a cryptid, and that means it's an unknown animal in all their varied and unusual forms. And there's and a lot be, of them. <laughs> right. And you can categorize, we can slice this onion a couple of different ways, right? I mean, you could do it by alleged biome. We could talk about aquatic cryptids versus like forest cryptids. Absolutely. Just like other species. Mm-hmm. Or we could talk about what their proposed origin is, right? The Flatwoods monster was an extraterrestrial cryptid, allegedly. Or maybe um, trans-dimensional cryptids, Eric? My favorite. I'm really pushing for them to be called Kielzian cryptids. <laughs> I think we should coin that. I think you should now, from now on, use that term. And be like, well, that's a Kielzian cryptid. And you'll right. know that I'm talking about the extra-dimensional kind. 
And today's cryptid has much more, it's, dare I say, strange. Interesting. One of the many interesting things about the, the um, Jersey Devil is it has a definitive origin story. So the story goes, and there's actually a couple different ones, but this is the one I kept tripping over the most when I was doing uh, research about the Jersey Devil. And that is in 1735, actually a New York Times article gave a specific day, and the day was a day in February of 1735. And on this day in 1735, a woman by the name last name of Leeds, some people call her Deborah, some people call her Jane. Although you have some more information on that, Becca, right? Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into that. I go with Deborah, but... Okay, let's go with Deborah. Some might have known her as Jane. I I don't judge. (laughs) But everyone knew her as Nancy. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, so she gives birth to her 13th kid. God bless her. Um, But something goes wrong. And she's not thrilled about the having 13, from what I remember of the story. Very, yeah, yes. Uh, there's, There's some cursing involved. Um, whether that cursing happened during childbirth or directly after, something happened to that 13th kid, and it was not human. And what happened next, either the beast that she gave birth to goes on a murderous rampage, or and or it flies up the chimney and flies away to become an immortal cryptid monster. Either way, it's really precocious. <laughs> right. I mean, right. I mean, for me, I wasn't even standing, you know. <laughs> I was like, right? What an overachiever. Right. I, you know, I didn't start flying up the chimney until, you know, middle school or so. That's right. Most of us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is pretty interesting stuff. <laughs> right. Because I've never seen a baby do that. I've seen a couple babies. None of this. So... <laughs> This this Jersey Devil, it's 1735. She gives birth to this creature. It goes on a murderous rampage. And then what? That's it? <laughs> what, yeah, what, what else do you want? I mean, I mean that is impressive. What, but no. Like, what have you done lately? I mean, geez. <laughs> so um, basically after that, the Jersey Devil is spotted um, periodically in its home base of southern Jersey. Uh, Southern Jersey, by the way, is an interesting spot. If you go towards the coast, of course, you have the Jersey Shore, Atlantic City and and the like. Um, If you go closer to Pennsylvania, of course, there's Philadelphia. And in between those two spots, uh, you have a large swath of land called the Pine Barrens. And they're called the Pine Barrens because of their very particular ecology. Um, It's a particular kind of soil and marshiness uh, that leads to having a very specific type of flora. It's a perfect place to grow cranberries and blueberries, apparently, and not much else. Um, Cryptids. (laughs) Oh, right. And of course, flying cryptids. The trees tend to be a little bit like, you know, stubby and spread out. It's a rural area. And we don't think of New Jersey as being a rural state. But this is a part of... Yeah, there are really rural parts of Jersey. And this is probably, you know, I, I think that it's it's very possible that this part of Jersey is the, still the least populated. And did you know that um, New Jersey is the most densely populated state in the United States? I actually did not know. Every single county but one of New Jersey is in a metropolitan area. And most wow. of them are in either the metropolitan area of New York to the north or Philadelphia to the south. 
but in between that, um, you have the Pine Barrens. And it's still a fairly rural area, you know, comparatively speaking, although it's become more suburbanized over the past decades, like many parts of America. And but the legend of the of the uh, Jersey Devil persists and people still occasionally spot him. But there seems to be outbreaks of people spotting the Jersey Devil and the most famous of which is in 1909, which I will be getting into a little bit later. You did some digging, though, about the actual historical family. I did. Yeah. I even went on Ancestry.com and was like, look, looking up all of their uh, baptism certificates. Oh, wow. <laughs> they have, you know. Did they have baptism certificates? Uh, they had baptism records. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they definitely had records of them for sure. Uh, I would have to have paid money to get the actual document, but they have something on there. And when I'm talking about them, what I'm talking about is the Leeds family. And I'm talking about the Leeds family that came from England in the late 1600s, starting with Thomas Leeds. Thomas Leeds comes to the colonies because he's a Quaker. And the Quakers, or the Religious Society of Friends, are a Christian denomination that begins in England in the 1650s. So this is a tumultuous time in England anyway. This is the backdrop of the English Civil War, Oliver Cromwell, and all that stuff that you maybe remember from your history class. And the Quakers are a cool little branch of Christianity. Currently, they only have 210,000 members, which I was really surprised about. That's really tiny. That's like uh, Boise, Idaho has more people <laughs> than there are. But those, okay, so those are professing friends, um, yes. which means that they're the ones who have filed their uh, letters of membership with their individual meetings. They're solid. Right. <laughs> I mean, but there's, there are, there might be slightly more people attending um, Quaker meetings on any given Sunday, say. Yes. They don't, they don't say anything. Oh, I was my little joke. <laughs> <laughs> right. They often do not. No, they don't. Right. Quaker and jokes. <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's better than the the really low-hanging fruit of the oats, which they really don't appreciate. But yeah, so if you know anything about the Quakers or the Religious Society of Friends, a lot of folks know them by their peace testimony. Uh, they might know them by their silent, distinctive form of silent worship. And they're thought of as like a pretty peaceful. Oh yeah. That's one of their tenants. Right. Right. Um, kind of, you know, I, I think they're often thought of as like, you know, your nice older aunt. They're, they're just very nice, peaceful, kind people. I mean, society and, of friends, right? Right. But in the 1600s, especially they were seen as dangerous radicals. That's right. And so they had to leave. I'm not going to get into the whole Protestant Reformation, but a lot of denominations <laughs> that were a lot of denominations that were persecuted in Europe, including England, made their way to the United States, um, where they were persecuted point, again. Where they were persecuted again, <laughs> but eventually found a home. But these were the colonies at that point, and so we're I going way. We're not. Out. We're going to stop with the religious history here. And we're oh, going to go on. right into no. the family. Can I so talk Thomas, about the fact that? That if you were a Quaker in the New England area, that the um, our pilgrim forefathers would probably hang you from a literal tree. So Thomas, Thomas was the 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 patriarch of this family, um, and we're going to skip a few generations and go down to Daniel. So Daniel is the grandfather of the Jersey Devil. Go figure. The Jersey Devil has a, a Quaker grandpa. So Daniel marries his wife Dorothy on the 9th of March, 1683. 
And this is important because they have, and I searched online and I found an article from the the New Jersey Atlantic County Historical Society. And this all takes place. The story of the Jersey Devil takes place here. And they say that Daniel marries Dorothy Young in Burlington on the 9th of March, 1683. And they have a quote, quote, curiously premature son, Japheth. This is some Quaker shade being thrown. He's curiously premature because he's born on October 24th, 1683. And so he's not full term, which Mm -hmm. we know is not that unusual, especially for if Dorothy had been particularly young, but side eye, why was he so premature? Had they been, you know, breaking thy laws? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, but also he could have had a, a difficult birth. He could have had something genetically that made him. So I'm saying this because Japheth ends up marrying Deborah Smith in 1703. So Japheth marries Deborah Smith. And by all accounts, Deborah, who... Again, I've looked them up. She is born in 1685. She's born in 1685, and that birth that Eric mentioned took place in February 1735. That her 13th child, she would have been at at an advanced maternal age. She would have been 50. Yes. And so cursing, I mean, I can can understand a little cursing happening with your 13th kid being born. Just saying. As far as Quakers go, and Eric and I have talked about this together, Daniel, the father of Jephthah, was known as being like really fringe in his religious beliefs. You know, today they're thought of as a very liberal group, which they are, um, generally speaking. But at this time, they were pretty strict about certain things, right? I mean, they were, they renamed the calendar, they renamed the days of the week for being a little too pagan for their tastes. Right. And Daniel is publishing an almanac using astrology. <laughs> right. And although it's astronomy and, you know, since time immemorial, the line between astronomy and astrology, if it was, if it ever existed was blurry till, you know, pretty recent times. So what's also interesting is that there has been theories that it was this almanac that was the reason this story came out. And there is an author, his name is Brian Regal, and he teaches the history of science. And he came up with this idea that it was actually Benjamin Franklin, the Benjamin Franklin that was worried about his son, Titan, uh, Daniel's son, Titan. His almanac was competitive with Franklin's poor Richard's almanac. And can I point out that um, at this point, Daniel Leeds has completely just decided to say, forget you Quaker meeting, because he's named his son after a reference to mythology. Right. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) he has just gone, you know, all in. Right. They're like, we're going to like, we think it's kind of questionable that you might be playing with stars. And he's like, I'm going to name my son Titan. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, honestly, this family was already in a little bit of, uh, they were already the, probably my guess, the source of some gossip. So all of that aside, (laughs) these are 
some of the theories. Was it a child with birth defects and maybe people who had not such nice things to say about the family decided to make some story that eventually gets taken into this Jersey devil? Was it Benjamin Franklin and his jealousy uh, or competitiveness? Well, apparently Benjamin Franklin was just a straight up smart ass about it, which I oh, found he, hysterical. He was a smart ass about a lot. So that doesn't surprise us. Right. right? But, but this particular one. So he actually, he actually goes about taking this again, one step further and he he predicts the death of titan leads oh in, yeah he does in his almanac and he's like i predict titan leads will die on this day which is such a jerk move and when titan leads responds after said death date with i'm still here i'm still alive he doubles down and goes well obviously he's dead he must be speaking to us from the great beyond because that's who benjamin franklin is yeah, um, that was in his biography called Part Fart Proudly. <laughs> and also, yeah, and <laughs> history's third dimension is always fiction. And I have to say that that Benjamin Franklin's history is more three-dimensional than most. It fits um, really well in with ideas of crypt of cryptozoology, though, doesn't it? This it really right does. in. And it and it, it so in the same vein, I will mention that. When Benjamin Franklin was in France um, as a diplomat, word on the street was that there might be a few little oh, yeah. Franklins <laughs> French over there. Um, yeah. Okay, so now that we've talked, we that we've done all the. the he was the, the father of many revolutions. <laughs> <laughs> the father of many. You could just stop the sentence. Right there. Wink, wink. All right. Um, so there, you've gotten you've gotten all your. Uh, colonial and early republic scuttlebutt from here that's, that's right so tell me tell us more about the sightings because i'm really interested they they have this they give birth to this monster and now what happens so we this let me tell you that then can we talk about how we connect the origin story and a rather rich one right like we were able to go into the historical record and pull out a lot of information about this the so-called origin story of the jersey devil I want to circle back around a little later and see where the connection between the two goes. But I'll just mention this, that basically the Jersey devil, also known as the Leeds devil, was part of local folklore for most of the 19th um, century, but kind of never really moved outside of, you know, the Pine Barrens region of Southern New Jersey. But that's going to change in 1909. uh, So the beginning of the 20th century. There is going to be a just an outbreak, a rash, if you will, of Jersey Devil sightings. There's military men that go on the record. My favorite is there's um, there's a, a fellow who is a officer in the Navy who is doing the target practice and maneuvers. Uh, his name's Stephen Decatur, but he's not that Stephen Decatur. There's a famous Stephen Decatur uh, who fought in the War of 1812. But this is from what what I can find, no relation. Um, even though some sites connect him to that, but that can't be possibly true because that Stephen Decatur died long before 1909. He apparently shot a cannonball at the Jersey Devil, hit it, and it just didn't do anything. And then a flying monster was sighted by over a thousand people, so the historical record seems to say. And while I couldn't find, I was looking for papers of record, like actual stories of papers of record. Uh, from the time, I did finally find stories that were supposedly from the era, but I couldn't find them on the regular. I looked on Newzella. I looked on uh, ProQuest. I was looking for, you know, 
kind of reliable um, places to find news stories about this, but I couldn't find any, not from 1909, unfortunately. But it seems like that's true. It seems like a lot of people ended up seeing this Jersey Devil. The stories made their rounds in the region, and he even flew across the Delaware Bay into Maryland and Delaware a little bit. Because, you know, we can't go a single episode without mentioning Maryland, apparently. Or apparently flying cryptids are your favorite. Your cryptids must fly. Cryptids. Okay. Rule number one, cryptids must fly. Um, Yes. So, but that's the 1909 sighting. And it was cited by a lot of folks. The next, and from there, it pops up periodically. Apparently, there are just like moments when the Jersey Devil appears. And then he's not cited again for quite a while. So, but the 1909 was the most well-documented, again, with over a thousand reports of people seeing this monster. Now, here's what I wanted. I wanted to circle back around and talk about this, right? That's pretty far removed from the colonial era, right? There's there's some time between 1735 and 1909. Quite a lot of things happen. Yeah, no kidding, right? I mean, in American history and world history, but how did this... we're assuming that something was cited in 1909. If there's enough people kind of reporting it, if you have people who are willing to put their names to the report, who are professionals, people who are professional military officers, people who are in law enforcement, people who are teachers, you always got to watch those teachers, are willing to put their names to these, these sightings of strange things. How did they decide that that was connected to the 1735 Leeds family? And his feud with uh, with Benjamin Franklin, and I guess what I'm what I'm saying is 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 there a possibility that sort of you know people saw something strange in 1909 and they they kind of retconned the story, you know, connected it to some older legends, or it just hadn't been written down, but it had something that had been passed by word of mouth that everybody kind of knew about. I mean, okay. it, it could have been something, you know, folk stories, songs, that sort of stuff just travels. We don't know where it came from at some, at, at the said point, but we all know it. We all know the story of. Oh, by the way, guess what bird was, um, I, I was reading a, a couple of um, websites. Parakeet. About- just saying parakeet. <laughs> no, everyone knows that parakeets cannot be involved in paranormal activity. Everyone knows. Uh, We've established this. No, no. Take a guess what animal was given as a possible um, animal that was mistaken. Owl. It was an animal. owl. You would think owl, and that would be your number one guess. It's usually always two. an owl. Yeah, but there's a number two guess. It starts, it rhymes with manhill frain. Owl. Yes. <laughs> That's right. An owl. An owl or a sandhill crane. And so the problem with the sandhill crane, yet again, they they trot these sandhill cranes out for every darn thing. I tell you what. Um, the problem is, is the sandhill cranes don't go to New Jersey. Like, they're just not there, folks. I mean, fine. You're so snobby. I am. No, the sandhill crane. Oh, my goodness. They're like, we only go to Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> they do their shopping. Um, no, the sandhill cranes... I, Maybe, okay, maybe there's something I don't know, but my understanding is that sandhill cranes are much further west. When I saw sandhill cranes in the wild, it was in Illinois. To be um, fair, around mm-hmm. 1909, weren't a lot of birds starting to become endangered anyhow? <laughs> yes, people, <laughs> right. Mostly due to, to Teddy Roosevelt. 
I mean, no, I mean, seriously, though, I, I know like by the 19 teens, they had to have a protect uh, migratory birds act because people were just pulling feathers off anything they could to put on their hats. So, yeah, yeah. The, the, the idea of conservation in, um, you know, the European American community didn't exist. So I'm just it's just making me wonder, like, would it even have been a sandhill crane at that point? Like, I don't think it was a sandhill crane. That's that's my point. It's not a sandhill crane, darn it. Stop trotting out the sandhill crane on the owlzo and everything. So this Jersey Devil, um, what does it look like? Because I've heard I've seen different, I've heard different descriptions. The story kangaroo like was one of them. That's one of my favorites. And also one of my favorites is someone in the early 20th century who was running a, um, you know, a carnival sideshow type of thing, you know, something that is near and dear to our hearts here at our Jackalope carnival. Um, but we would never do this because this is horrible. Um, this is unconscionable. And I, I am in no way uh, supporting or in any way saying this is a good thing, but Someone apparently got a hold of their own live kangaroo. Oh no! I already spray, don't like it. Painted it green and put wings on it and called it the Jersey Devil. Mm. You thing. know, though, I bet a lot of people hadn't seen a kangaroo at that point. So right. sure. I mean, so you know, there's there's all kinds of things wrong with that, right? Uh, folks, don't spray paint your animals. That's just messed up. Um, and don't put wings on them unless it's, you know, they, unless they're your your dog or cat and they're okay with it and it's cute. Anyway, getting back to this. So what is this what does this Jersey Devil actually look like? So kangaroo like in that it is described as mostly bipedal. Um, that it has four limbs, but it walks only on two. Um, it's said to have a horse-like face, so kind of a, a long face. It's very thin and it has bat-like wings. Okay, interesting. Yes. It has its footprints tend to be like horses hooves. And one of the things that people say when they see the Jersey Devil, or if there's a rash of, rash of Jersey Devil sightings in an area, is it will often be accompanied by strange footprints, often hoof prints that are curiously lined up in a straight line. Okay. In a way, you know, if you've ever seen horse footprints, it's pretty obvious that horses are quadrupeds. Um, but I've seen the pictures that people took of alleged Jersey Devil tracks, and they're one hoof in front of the other, almost as if it's like got one leg and hopping around. You like know? a devil. I mean, hoof prints, wings, devil checks out. Yep, it's all there. So, and then the second thing that comes about is apparently people's animals um, are hurt. So farm animals, pets uh, are not safe around the Jersey Devil. So whereas the the Mothman, there's no purported deaths by Mothman, um, although you know he's a harbinger of, of possible doom. But for the Jersey Devil, like apparently he brings death with him. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of what he's supposed to look like. So it's kind of it, it is a beast, right? It's not a human. It's not humanoid even. It's it's. Uh, the only thing humanoid about it is it walks around two legs, but it's in no other way is it like a human. Yeah, it's not like it's br- it brings out, like it kills things, right? It attacks. Yeah, I mean, it, it, animals die. Like, I don't think, think that I've ever read any account of it, someone coming upon it, attacking something, but there's connections between the two. Okay. So in 1909, all these people saw it. We've seen, we've had sightings more and more into the 20th century and into the 21st. There are still occasional sightings, yes. Um, again, the Pine Barrens is kind of its spot, so the southern part of Jersey. 
again, a pretty a fairly <laughs> well-populated part of the country. You know, as we but said, that has a lot of supernatural stories to it as well. Well, not only that, but it also grows uh, most of the country's uh, uh, eggplant. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you like aubergine? I love eggplant. Yeah, it's, it's, a night, probably, it's in the nightshade family, though. <laughs> it's Yeah, it was probably grown, like, according to one story I read in uh, 2015, two-thirds of American eggplants are grown in southern New Jersey. Well, that is surprising. So while I'm telling you stories of the um, Jersey Devil, you should be imagining scenic plains of eggplant. <laughs> so they really seem to have embraced this Jersey Devil. I don't suggest that. I mean, no, but I mean, uh, New Jersey has, and we've seen kind of that with Mothman that the town mm. that it's from has really sort of embraced this idea of Mothman, something that people would have shied away from talking about in <laughs> to the point where um, New Jersey, the state of New Jersey on its website, as well as Atlantic County, New Jersey, both have uh, Jersey devil pages on their, their official state and County websites. Right. And when I'm looking up um, the historical society, the Atlantic County Historical Society, I should point out that that document that I was looking at had nothing to do with the Jersey Devil. It's entitled A Biographical Sketch of the Revolutionary War Patriot, First Lieutenant Jeremiah Leeds. And then they have to bring up, well, yeah, he's probably related to the Jersey Devil as well. (laughs) (laughs) Of those leads. I mean, that's why he was so ferocious in battle, perhaps. (laughs) Wow. The poor Leeds family. They just well, I, wanted, he just wanted to make a an, an almanac, and then he ran afoul of the sharp tongued, you know, Benjamin Franklin. Just everything went downhill after that. He he made an almanac, but he also, I mean, he did. You're saying it's not astrology, but there was astro- astrological symbols. There were there were things. He was pushing the envelope a little. I mean, he was more liberal than was normal for his time and place. And so you're, you saying, know, that you're saying that he might have made a, some kind of diabolical deal. Well, that's certainly one of the, I, I think one of the legend talks about her being pregnant or some of them talk about her being a witch, talk about Deborah being a witch hmm. and having made this deal and she didn't nurture the beast. And this is how it turned out. So there's all sorts of Jersey devil origin stories, but as far as the, you know, I mean, think about it in a way by being, he, he does live on in infamy. He lives in legend now, Daniel. So he wrote these almanacs and, now he lives on in legend. Now we're looking about him and looking into his history. I guess that I, I'm kind of interested by uh, what percentage of this is historical. What percentage of this is some folks saw something weird back in 1909. Like I want to know, I would love to know exactly what the connection is well, between I mean, the early Republic, you know, legends about the Leeds family and weird things that have been seen since then, because there's there's a lot of space between those two things. And I'm, I'm not sure how they got into getting linked up together. Eric's book on this will be coming out in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to admit that um, it, I'll probably stick closer to home. Uh, my favorite my favorite cryptids are still Maryland and West Virginia cryptids. So, I, I you know, God bless you, New Jersey devil. But, um, you know, you're a little further north than I am. Than so I it looks like. Mention. We're closing up on our story of Jersey Devil, but what we think is really interesting about cryptids is, A, they give us this look into what's possible, (laughs) right? Because we know we haven't found most 
the majority of the species on earth. And again, I think that I had told you, Eric, that there was a 2011 study in a peer-reviewed journal that talked about scientists that only properly identified 14% of species on earth. Again, most of those that haven't been identified are bugs. (laughs) And bugs are really important. No, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, right. They're not, they're not stumbling across like brand new, uh, you know, types of like great apes or something. And, and they're finding that a lot of these actually, you know, they've been known to indigenous people, um, but some of them, uh, you might see something and just not know. I mean, I don't know about enough about butterfly taxonomy to know like what every butterfly is. So I might see an unidentified species and not know. And they have found stuff where it was kind of hidden in plain sight. Um, hiding in plain sight, like Bigfoot is a little bit more difficult. When you were reading about this, did you find like the last big find? Like when was the last major vertebrate? I really don't know. I'm not sure. I, like I said, I I really don't know. I'd have to look that up. Um, But I mean, let's think about 1926, right? 1926 is when the hundred pound, eight foot long Komodo dragon was discovered, quote, quote, um, Mm. by Western science. And again, People knew about right. them, but the people living in, in the Indonesian archipelago knew them as the ah, those terrible <laughs> yeah. lizards. It's it's venomous and apparently has this thing called salmonella. Stay away. <laughs> it keeps eating on goats, right. right? But I mean, you think 1926 is pretty late for them to not notice uh, a not particularly shy 100 pound lizard. So it happens. It does happen, right? I, I just. I have to say that it feels unlikely that some kind of cryptid would be living in the most densely populated state in the country, that every county belongs to, you know, part of a metropolitan statistical area in MSA, except one. You are um, cracking me up with this because, again, Mothman, sure, <laughs> Jersey Devil. <laughs> No, <laughs> don't accuse me. Look, I have roots in in New Jersey. You know that my maternal grandmother's from New Jersey, right? But 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 why is Mothman okay and Jersey Devil isn't? Or for that matter, like we're going back to this, like parakeets can't talk to the dead, but <laughs> ravens can. I just it, it depends on the day with you. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're fascinated by where my lines are. <laughs> that they're cryptic they are cryptic lines that's okay well join us in the next episode where hopefully eric will side with me on the possibility (laughs) of (laughs) and we'll go ahead and talk more about that so thank you for listening to jackalope carnival it's been great and we really really appreciate you listening Jackalope Carnival!